do what I can for you, Mr. Hill. Thank you for, hey, we're going to start now. The uh, Thank you for coming to the uh, Nothing, uh, Not Anything Special podcast. Your host, Samantha Sweden. Um, once a month, we're going to be having Michael Hill for the science of detailing. And this time, uh, we've got a list of questions all having to do with ceramic details. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to him, and he can start talking about the uh, questions, unless you want me to ask you the, the questions, Michael, and then you can answer them. Or um, Since it's our first time, I think we, uh, the best thing to do for, for this particular one is kind of, um, you know, I've been testing ceramic coatings uh, going on probably around seven to eight years now. Um, I work for a lab that does surface technology for OEM manufacturers. Uh, we test clear coat, we test anything basically that adheres to the surface uh, of different vehicles. Um, about four years ago, we come up with a test called the M644 test, um, which basically we've made based off of different factors that we think are the most important for a ceramic coatings um, or a coating technology that goes on top of clear coat or enamel or uh, gel coat, the characteristics that are the most important. Um, we got this passed through uh, TS16949, which is a kind of a governing body through the ISO um, for this particular testing that we can basically take uh, these tests and we can mimic this test over and over for repeatability uh, for that. Um, so we'll, we'll jump right into that. You know, ceramic coatings have been a while around for, for a good while and they've um, made huge advancements, um, but they, they take these kind of in, in sporadic movements. You'll get a lot of advances in two years and then everybody kind of runs the, uh, runs the same formulations or, you know, variations of it for, you know, two years and then you'll get, you know, massive growth. I guess kind of what people get used to it, everybody kind of gets caught up Then you got the front runners that kind of jump back out again. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting um, how that goes. And we just have got back in, you know, probably this last six months, a lot of coating companies are coming out with new technology, um, that type of stuff. So you're seeing a lot of new coatings being released or version two, version three um, released for a particular product, uh, which is always exciting because I like going through and, and seeing how people have, have done new coatings, have done, you know, new technologies. Uh, a lot of the products inside of them are, are still the same, but you do, you know, different carriers, that type of stuff. So it's like I said, it's always really exciting. Um, so in doing the M644 test, um, we've, you know, basically determined um, one of the most important factors of ceramic is your adhesion thickness. Uh, a lot of people will be talking about, you know, our particular coating is 90% solids, 95% solids. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of guys out there that said they're, you know, 99% solids in the bottle, um, which is fine and good and all. But the thing that actually matters in these coatings when you, when you apply them to the vehicle is your adhesion of the actual solids in the coating. Um, so like I said, we can have 49 of the 50 mils in a bottle that are solids, but if only 10% of that uh, layer that you put on actually adheres to the vehicle, um, then none of that really even matters that, you know, how much solids are in the bottle. You do give it a chance to say, hey, we've got more solids, kind of like uh, the shotgun effect of solids. We're, we're putting everything out there and then hopefully more will stick versus this other one. But there's a lot of technology now that would take, you know, coatings that are 50% solids in a bottle, but the adhesion is much better on them than a coating with, you know, like I said, 90% 
solids in there that the adhesion isn't that great on. Um, so, you know, the argument that a lot of companies will make, like I said, is, you know, we've got X amount of solids in our coating, uh, but what really matters, like I said, is what actually sticks to the vehicle. Um, another thing that is not as prominent now, but was uh, in previous, is um, your clarity of the solids that are in it. Uh, some of them will have a little bit of a hue, um, and as they get older, we yellow, but most of that has kind of gone away now, but you do still have a couple of companies out there that uh, their technology does do that. Or if you take um, some of the technology, gives it a little bit of cloud to it, which you can't really see due to reflection, uh, but it will matter if you're doing on like polished aluminum or things like that, where you will actually see um, the clarity of, of the coating. Um, the next one and probably, Biggest one is the porosity of the coating. So when you do a ceramic coating, you've got all of your solids in there that have to mesh together. Um, and the elastomers and uh, bonders basically take all of these different shards of, you know, if you're running uh, silicon nitride, silicon dioxide, and then bond all this together. Um, the particle size in that matters substantially. Um, most companies use what is kind of like an industry standard size for your for your solids, um, but there are a couple out there that are step or maybe two steps above medical grade, which is uh, much much smaller. And what this does is it gives the coating. Uh, I like to describe this: if you take a one pound block of wood and throw it in a container, but the block of wood you make basically in pencil size solids and throw it in there, you're going to get a lot of, you know, open voids, open holes, that type of stuff. But if you take that same one pound block of wood and make it into toothpick size where they're much smaller, you'll get a much tighter weave, um, much better adherence and a stronger bond, which will basically allow anything to penetrate into the coating. Um, a lot of companies will use multiple layers to combat this or a topper of some sort, which is a lot of bonders and elastomers to go on top of the top of the, uh, the base coating and that you know kind of fills all that in and kind of takes care of the issue but what the porosity and the coating will allow is you know trace minerals to get in there and the expansion and contraction is different on which will start um, you know breaking down the coating um, porosity will also let different uh, chemicals embed into it where it's a, you know if it's a really high acid or an alkaline you know get under the coating and, and start causing issues with, with adhesion. Um, so that, that's one of the, the big things you look at. Like I said, a lot of companies are using a topper um, to combat that, that porosity. I don't know if they've looked into it enough to see that that's exactly what's happening, but they're like, hey, we get you know, much better um, resistance to chemicals if we put you know, a topper on there, but that's what it um, scientifically breaks down into when you're looking at that uh, very closely. Um, the next one will be a pH resist test. Um, most everybody that tests this will do basically put a certain pH level on there and then take it away to see if it does anything. We test out by putting actually droplets on there and letting them sit for a little while to see if they just chew through it. And if they do, that's where we measure that off of there. Um, and pH resistance is one of the more important properties of the ceramics as well. Um, because you don't want to, you know, go wash your vehicle with a 
you know, an alkaline soap or anything like that, strip your entire coating off. Uh, you kind of need to know where their resistance is and kind of max and minimum where you don't put any kind of material on there that's going to cause structural damage to the ceramic. Um, the next, next test we do is called a drag test. We take the um, six most common metallics that will come into contact with your painted surface, uh, and we basically pull it apart with a specific uh, weight, and we measure how much of an indention it actually puts into the coating. Um, that just kind of shows your scratch resistance. If there's one kind of uh, material that digs into it more, uh, and you also test consistency, and that gives you kind of an idea of how well your structure is holding up. You know, if it's deep and then shallow, that means you've got a you know very open, solid structure. Um, and then one big thing that a lot of companies don't look at is uh, your resistance to fracturing from temperature advance and decline. And what I mean by this is, uh, you know, you're in Arizona with a you know an air conditioned house, um, and your garage is you know 70 or 80 degrees, and then you go out and it's 115 your surface temperature is going to rise very rapidly. And you've got multiple layers of material on there, and the ceramic being one of them, that has to have the ability to expand with the, the paint surface and also contract with it without causing any fractures or breaks in that. Um, usually your expansion doesn't, uh, isn't what gets it. So you, you know, from going to cool to hot, most everything can pull away because it actually puts more distance in the structure than it does kind of contracting it. Uh, the big issue you're going to see um, is a lot of you guys that are in the north that, you know, you'll have a vehicle sitting inside, you know, your garage and it's 50 or 60 and you take it out and it's, you know, 20 degrees outside. And basically um, that contraction or it's what breaks a lot of it because they, they can't move in on top of each other. And you'll actually start seeing a lot of micro cracks and, and fractures in the coating from doing that. And that's what most of them fail on um, is the decline. So that's kind of what we test for. That's what we look at a lot of different things. There's a couple of other testing that, that we do on there, but those are the main ones that we look for for the performance of a coating, um, how well it performs those things, because those are kind of your, your essential things that make that um, viable to protect your surface. And can you explain what an elastomer is for people that haven't heard your talk about elastomers yet? Um, so an elastomer, or uh, depending on how you call it, a bonder, is basically the material that holds your solids together. It's kind of like uh, rubber bands that pull everything together and hold all your solids um, and the weave together. And that's what a bonder or elastomer, uh, depending on what school of thought you come from, would be. Perfect. And is that how, and then when you're talking about why it's bonding, let's say you're in the perfect setting and you've, if you, you've done your whole stuff to the vehicle and you've done your paint prep and then you're putting your coating down, can you explain why it's bonding to that paint? Why um, how is that ceramic bonding to the paint? Um, so there's, there's a lot of different um, properties in the uh, ceramic coating. Um, that are making it bond. Uh, silane is the most one, it's probably 99.9% .9 of the ceramics use. Um, and it you know, offers a covalent bond. And what that does is takes electrons um, in a molecular level and attaches them to the other surface. And that's what a covalent bond is on that. And 
um, silane is your basically your functional group or chemical that's in there uh, that makes that reaction happen. Nice. And then, uh, let's see, what was it? And then, so, and when you do that, um, the two very basic uh, chemicals in there is uh, PHPS or um, a PDMS, and those are different uh, siloxanes, uh, silazane and siloxane. And so the uh, silane is what kind of um, makes the covalent bond um, happen with that, um, and it kind of links those together. Um, and then most all of your coatings will cure um, off of hydrolysis, basically uh, water bleed out, and that's what makes the makes them dry, makes them adhere. Perfect. And then, can you explain the glass coating? How does glass coating bond to to glass? Because it's a little different than on paint. Right. So. The, the basic structure, you, you've got two different types of, uh, of thought in your coatings for, for surfaces. A lot of them will make a, basically a very thin layer on the top that sits there uh, for glass, or you have some that will actually soak into the pores of the glass. Um, those are the two different schools of thought uh, for making glass coating. Um, the one that actually makes a film on it will be a little bit more hydrophobic. Uh, due to basically a barrier by itself other than being a soak into the glass. Um, and your solid contents can be very different because at that point in time, you're not really looking for high solids or any of that type of stuff to, you know, resist scratching and things like that. You're, you're looking for all the hydrophobic properties um, of the coating, which is, you know, a lot of your uh, elastomers and bonders and things like that, which you can basically put in there. You just have to be able to choose with your one or two interlace to make a, uh, a thin layer on top, or you want it to soak down in the, the glass itself and give those hydrophobic properties. Um, your sheeting type of ceramics um, usually won't last near as long as ceramic coatings on glass that actually soak, uh, just due to them being, like I said, sitting on top of it, as to where the uh, ones that will soak down into the glass um, have a lot better grip because they're down in, in voids in the glass and, and things like that. And they last much longer. Perfect. And why is it so important to put glass coatings on? Um, basically, uh, there's a lot of like different coatings out there. So, oh, you can put it on glass, you can put it on your paint. But why is it so important to actually have a difference between your glass and your paint coatings? Um, a lot of your paint coatings you can use on, on glass. Uh, however, you can't go the other way around. Um, you won't find any glass coating that you'll be able to put on a painted surface um, due to, you know, they're not going to have the solid content. They're not going to have the bonding properties. Um, they're basically extremely different of how they react to the surface. Um, like I said, there's plenty that you can put on a body or on the paint or plastics that you can put on glass. However, like I said, the other way around, uh, they're not going to work correctly and you're not going to get hardly any performance out of them. Um, due to your solid content and properties, it's, 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 it's one is meant mostly for for hydrophobics with you know a little bit of a solid content. That's where the other one is more protection and the hydrophobics built in. And then uh, talk about bare metal and ceramic and the reason why it does or does not work, or there's well, some it does work on, some it doesn't work on. 
So I mean, they're bare metal is gonna gonna oxidize unless you have a a real heavy um, barrier on there, which will mean a clear coat or uh, something of that nature. Um, ceramic coatings will work on bare metals, uh, but they are going to just the only thing they're going to do is slow down your oxidation. Uh, they're not going to prevent it. I mean, you're looking at you know clear coats are substantially thicker in versus a you know micron micron and a half ceramic coating. Um, just the ability for them to kind of uh, block out things versus a, a clear coat, um, they can't do the, the same type of stuff. But um, if you put something other, you know, like uh, polished wheels are now big, and the you know the guys with the the big jacked up trucks and things like that. So the big you know 22, 24 inch uh, American Force wheels are, are very popular now, especially around us. And so we'll coat those, but we coat those to kind of make them through a season. Um, and then when the oxidation happens, we polish them back out and kind of do that as to where if they're just bare and they go out, then you're polishing those you know multiple times a year. Um, your, your your bonding type doesn't bond as well because it, you know that's a metallic versus a non-metallic. So like I said, you're still going to get a lot of oxidation, but it will slow it down substantially. And then um, I'm going to talk. I want to talk about a little about surface prep. So there's a couple of companies out there that are um, kind of putting stating that you can do a surface prep in basically put a little bit of polish ceramic in the polish saying that that is going to help you with the surface prep prior to putting on your ceramic and that's what you can use without even wiping off with a, a prep so can you talk about how important it is to to prep the surface and absolutely so um, anytime you install a ceramic coating it is going to bond to whatever's on top of that surface uh, whether it's wax uh, polymers um, dirt in general, you know, metallics, you know, trace minerals, uh, whatever is on that top surface is what the, the coating is going to grab onto. Um, so if your surface still has wax on it, um, any type of polymer, sealants, um, dirt, any of that stuff right there, that's what the coating is going to bond to. So you're giving it a very poor surface to hold on to. So, you know, when that wax starts to fail or anything like that, there, the coating is going to come off with it because that's what it's holding on to. Um, a lot of the polishes with it will come with a with a base on there that does clean, um, but it gives it a real kind of tacky surface when you're putting the ceramic on. Um, I prefer, and through my testing, have seen um, you know panel preps work better due to them kind of stripping everything off of the surface. Um, you know, be kind of like uh, we could throw this in a medical term, medical kind of aspect. If you get a uh, a, a deep cut on your on your hand. You can uh, kind of wash everything out with alcohol to make sure everything's out of it, or you can just take some antibiotic ointment and put it over the top of it, which is going to help. Uh, that's kind of what I see looking at panel preps and things like that. You know, if you just want to polish it off, you're still going to have you know some contaminants from the polish on there, but you've got antibiotic ointment kind of in there to help, so they kind of you know all, offset each other. Versus taking in like fully sterilizing the surface with a, a panel prep spray or um, whatever you use, you know, for decontamination of the surface. Um, like I said, in, in our testing and looking through stuff, the spray on or whatever you use for decontamination 
works much better and you get a lot better adherence. Uh, I'm not saying there's not a product out there somewhere um, that may do that, but I mean, you're basically putting multiple chemicals that are in that polish onto the surface and wiping them off. Um, and everything that's in there, because you're going to have to have carriers for uh, different things in there, and that, that's still going to remain on the surface. So, like I said, from, from my opinion and, and, and doing testing on it, your panel preps uh, work much better. <coughs> um, we can go into, you know, a lot of people still use IPA and things like that. Uh, that does okay, but there's a lot of stuff in, um, say, for example, like Linzerna and stuff that has those oils in there. The IPA is not going to strip, you know, directly off. It's still going to be remain there. Um, and also IPA flash dries on the surface, which may give you some, a little bit of hazing or um, like a milky color on some different paint. Um, so finding a really good panel prep is, I think one of the most important parts of doing a ceramic coating because you make sure that you have a very clean and um, dry surface that doesn't have any contaminants in there when you put your ceramic. Um, and like I said, if you put it on top of anything else or think you've got this, the surface clean, then you know your ceramic's going to grab onto whatever's on the top of that, top of the surface. Perfect. And then what about pH balances? The the chemicals that we're utilizing to clean uh, certain vehicles after uh, people put a ceramic on their vehicles and we're bringing them in for details. Can you talk about the extreme use of either way of acids or um, alkalis on ceramic coating and the importance of deactivating them after, you can't just put some soap on there and think it's gonna get deactivated. Can you kind of explain that process? Yeah, so I mean, whatever you put on your, your vehicle surface, um, so if you were to put a, a acid cleaner on, on the surface, every time it receives moisture back in there, that acid or alkaline is going to reactivate. Um, and that's basically just sitting you know, on the top of the surface of, of your vehicle. And depending on what coating or sealant or whatever you have on there, depending on what its resistances are, I mean, you have a very high chance of pulling those off because like I said, you constantly got an acid on there. It's going to reactivate every time it gets wet. Um, the best way to do that is, is to get a um, pH neutral soap um, and just, you know, like if you foam bath it or things like that, they, that's going to take it down to at least, you know, safe levels, um, or, you know, around the seven, eight range on there versus just putting like an acid bath or a full alkaline wash and then just wiping the vehicle off where you've still got that chemical that's, you know, at a higher or low pH just sitting there on the surface. Um, I highly recommend, you know, getting whatever, whatever coating company you use and kind of seeing where their, their pH resistance on there. Um, you know, if they tell you it's zero to 14, um, I would probably do a little bit more research into that and say, hey, you know, is this a immediate contact, immediate come off? Is, you know, did you guys put that particular acid on and leave it, you know, for a little bit of time to let it do its thing? Um, we have found it. Some companies would like to say just do a splash testing. They hit it on there and immediately wipe it off with something that's you know a neutral balance, or you know wherever the other end of the spectrum is. Like yeah, I see it looks fine now. Uh, whereas if you actually had contact that lasted for any type of you know any type of time, then it would um, it would definitely soak into that. So I said you know when we do our testing, we leave those on there. Um, 
usually for three to five minutes. And they're little, you know, small bubbles on the surface that we can go back and measure each one of those points to see um, if any damage took place. And then we measure out and say, okay, you guys are, are good from a, from a two to a, a 13 or a two to 12 due to that sitting on there. Um, and you never also know, you never know um, what the, you know, over and over time, if that it gets, you know, constantly barraged by that certain pH level, if that won't start degrading it as well. Um, but I mean, if you're, if you're getting stuff on your vehicle that is, you know, a one or two or, or 13 or 14, then you're probably, uh, you're doing something wrong where you're driving. Um, <laughs> and so you probably want to stay away from that place because, you know, you got a lot of other stuff to worry about at that point in time, except, you know, your paint's not looking good. Um, but I mean, that, that's a really important thing. And I highly stress everybody kind of, you know, get with their company and say, hey, are we doing splash tests with, you know, this particular, you know, uh, pH resistance, you know, how do you guys measure that? And that way to kind of give you an idea of where you need to be and what products you can use. Um, you know, I use a very high P, uh, alkaline wash to, to strip our coatings uh, to take everything out of them. But I know, you know, our particular coatings can handle up to, you know, X, Y before they cause any damage to them. And yet, it, you know, it makes everything released from the coating. Um, so like I said, that's a very important one. Um, to check with your coding company. Perfect. And then um, right before we move on, I am I want you to talk about uh, you had a coding that came out with your company, uh, a little bit of a side company. Can you talk about a little bit about that? Because then we're going to open it up to um, to everybody else to ask some questions. Um, unless oh, so, you have anything to add, yeah, absolutely. Um, so our, our Cody is, is company is called uh, CCI Ceramic Coating Incorporated. Um, we've got a sediment suspension type of um, our top of the line one is basically sediment. So you'll see that it has a lot of uh, solids in the bottom of it. Uh, you shake those up, and then what that allowed us to do is we didn't have to put as many carriers in the bottle that are just meant to to hold all the solids suspended. Um, We've got a lot of technology out there now that allows coatings to be easier than ever to apply. Um, you know, I look back in my, my initial days putting the stuff on and it was almost a, a panic attack putting, you know, coating a panel. Um, you're sitting there watching it as soon as it flashed, you go into this mad dash of, of getting it off. And, uh, you know, I went through that for a, for a very long time and, you know, I've got two children and if they fall and, uh, you know, break their face. You got to be like, honey, you just bleed right there for a minute. Let that dad get this off his car. Um, so, you know, I try to go away from that to make it, you know, extremely easy to where if you do have a life event that happens, you don't have to worry about going back and, and you know, removing that from the car. Um, <laughs> but the thing we did is, is put it to where you can coat the entire outside of the vehicle. You can do um, headlights, plastics, wheels, calipers. You can do the glass with it if you want, but I would recommend a glass coating. Um, and it does fantastic on all those. Now, there's not many surfaces that you can't put it on that it's not going to perform extremely well on. Um, if you guys are interested in that, like I said, just uh, reach out to me and we can get you guys signed up. would love for everybody to, you know, to give that a try. Uh, I've put a lot of my detailing background as well as my scientific background into it and said, hey, from a detailer perspective, what do I want out of coding? And, you know, we didn't stop until we could check all the boxes and say, hey, this is performance from, you know, the detailer standpoint. 
and then coming at it from the scientific, you know, making sure that tests uh, at the top of this line or even, you know, if, if nothing else matches up with the best of it. And then what is, and then you had a, don't you have a glass coating as well with your company? We do. And so it's a soap type product um, that soaks into the glass and fills up a lot of the small pores and things like that. We've had uh, some of the guys that call me and say, hey, I'm going to polish this side of the glass off to do a side-by-side. -side. And they call me back 30 minutes later and say, hey, I can't get this stuff off the glass. And that's because, like I said, it soaks down in, into the pores and doesn't sit on top. Like I said, that's one of the differences, you know, I was talking about earlier of way different glass coatings work. Perfect. And then is there any other coatings that you have with that? Is it just uh, you have the ceramic coating that you do more for like a garage type and then you have a mobile detailer one and then yeah. you have a glass coating? Yeah, so we those are the three we're doing. Uh, we're, we're only released um, five products. So we got it, one called Advanced, which is um, our top of the line one. Then we have our glass coating and then we have um, one called Mobile, uh, which is meant for your mobile installers. Um, you can put it on direct sunlight uh, on a black GMC Denali in the sun at 140 degrees surface temperature, and I can do a full panel with it and still remove the coating. Uh, so we made that for the mobile guys. I started off mobile, and I have a you know huge um, thing for those guys going, "Hey, um, that's hard work. You know, you're out in the sun. You can never know what your what your elements are going to be." So it's kind of you know difficult to, to go out there and be like, hey, I brought this one particular coating, but it's humid today, or it started sprinkling or something, and you're like I say, you once again back in panic mode, or hey, I can't, I can't install the coating today. Um, so that's what we kind of went to work with for the mobile coating, and then we have um, a water spot remover um, that takes any of your hard minerals off. It oxidizes those off the surface. Uh, works great for any type of you know mineral deposits or things like that. Um, and then we have a, a panel prep, which is um, a multitude. We've got three or four different agents in there that basically strip everything off the surface. Um, you can use this for a glass cleaner to clean everything. We, I, I keep we a gallon in my house to, you know, clean uh, mirrors with or anything that needs, you know, spot cleaning. I know it can pull everything up from it. Um, and I, none of our products have any smells or scents or cool colors or any of that type of stuff because it's not it doesn't help the product work um so that's kind of what I'm, you know just a very simple product it does what it needs to do um, and performs and when you put it on you don't have to worry about it coming back for any reason um, unless somebody does something you know kind of crazy with it but i like to hear those stories where i can see if i can engineer that out of it <laughs> so it won't have that issue but uh we're really excited about it and uh we've been blessed with you know a lot of people trying our products out and um, like I said, we're extremely excited to be have the science we have with this product behind it, and we have been testing it for a little over a year, and have had fantastic results out of it. And I've beat this thing to death as much as possible. We've got our test vehicle; um, it's had the product on it going on nine months now. It goes through the auto wash for the full gambit six times a week, and has been doing that for almost nine months, and the coating is still performing fantastic. Um, is, that it, a, is that a touch wash or is it a touchless? Yes, that is a touch. Beat brushes on it, um, spraying <laughs> all the, the fun stuff, all the colors and scents, you know, that you get through the auto wash. Um, all that's going on. So, I mean, you've got, you know, a lot of micro scratches and stuff like that, um, which anytime you use those brushes, 
um, you're going to get that. But um, as far as like it's hydrophobic, uh, the gloss and things like that, everything is still standing up. Very awesome. Well. That's awesome. All right. So, and I'm not going to have you give the discount out for this group because this uh, podcast will go out to other people. We don't want to, I know it's only exclusive to a couple groups for a while. Right. So, um, so I'm going to put it out to you guys, just uh, ask Brent if he's got any questions first, since he was on with us first. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Samantha. Um, thanks again for all this information, Michael. It's it's really fabulous. The the glass coating. I probably have twenty questions, but we just touched on glass coating, and you're saying it it kind of seeps into at least the pores or the or whatever the imperfections in the glass. Is that accurate? Um, it goes into the imperfections. So you'll see, like, if you were to. Uh, take a glass that's been sandblasted with lots and lots of highway miles and things like that on there. Um, it'll ease a lot of those um, hard lines in there to kind of make it to where the light doesn't reflect as bad out there. Um, but it goes, like I said, down into the pores of the glass, uh, which are, you know, microscopic in glass. Um, but that, that's how it holds on and, and does its performance is it goes down into, like I said, seeps down into the pores on there and it will go down into imperfections and things like that to soften the lines um, that around the jagged edges and things like that of, of the glass. So two, two things, I guess. Um, it sounds like you've got a, a, a good lifespan expectancy. I'm looking at your website. It looks like three to five years is kind of the expected lifespan for the glass. Does that include a windshield as well, which is obviously the most desirable one to have it? Uh, yes, sir. So um, for example, when we're doing our testing on like side glasses and anything that doesn't get immediate abrasion on it, um, in doing laboratory testing, of course, we had to have a product out that long, um, but we're getting 10, 12, 13 years out of it because there's no abrasion to kind of basically gotcha. get it out. Um, but three years with, I'd say, moderate to heavy windshield wipers, um, it should, you should easily get that, that around of it. Um, my personal vehicle, right when we released it, is two years old. Um, I, I do a panel prep on it to clean it really well, and then it does just like it did today. I put them on, um, and that's like I said, a little over two years. Awesome. And so um, I think what I also hear you saying is it might give better clarity, just as it fills in some of the minor imperfections in the glass. Is that accurate? That's correct. Um, so you, you'll see, like, um, if you were to put it, put it on and clean the polish the front glass, and then you put it on, you're going to see, like, at nighttime, a lot less reflection and things like that, of, you know, because it softens the edges up of the damage, because, you know, you've got a lot of uh, really jagged edges um, on the glass from, you know, any type of sandblasting or anything like that. So it softens those up uh, when that coating, you know, fills those voids. All right. Uh, and my last question about glass, and then I'll let someone else ask some. What's uh, what's the yield? And maybe this is on your website, but what's your expected yield out of a bottle, or you know, maybe a, how many windshields or how many full vehicles do you typically expect out of a bottle? Uh, we can usually get um, three full full vehicles um, out of a bottle. That um, this is one of the products you put on really heavy. 
Uh, you can let it sit for as long as you want to. Uh, minimum time is around 30 minutes, but we you know, recommend an hour. Um, what I usually do when I put this on is I'll uh, do the glass and then coat the car and then uh, get everything off of the vehicle. And then I'll let it sit overnight for the next morning when I come in to do delivery prep to clean everything and do the tires. Then I'll just wipe it off. And it's like a very, very fine powder that you're taking off of it. I just use one single microfiber and just kind of wipe it off really quick. Um, it leaves a nice polished look on it as well. And then it's ready to go into into use after, I'm sorry, I, I know I said I only had one more question. <laughs> then it's ready to, ready to go into use after you do that final polish? Ready to go back? is the best if you can without getting it wet first, just to let everything kind of cure. Um, any of, any of your, your coatings or anything that you put on, you're going to have curing on the very top layer and then your bottom layer is going to have to kind of cure much slower than that. Um, so usually around 24 hours on that one is best. 12 hours, you're probably going to be okay. I don't think you're going to have any issues out of it. Um, the one thing with any type of soap type of glass ceramic is you're going to have, you want to do a polish on them to try to remove all the, you know, embedded dirt and grime and things like that in a windshield. Um, you know, if you get a brand new windshield, still, I'll usually polish those out just to make sure I've got a very fresh surface um, because once again, that's going to bond to whatever's on that surface. So if you've got, you know, heavy road debris, um, you know, years of rubber from the, the windshield wipers and things like that, that's going to impede uh, the ceramics ability to, to soak down into the glass. Awesome. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll order some tomorrow. Hey, that works. Yeah. And then what did you say the, the leave-on time was? You said an hour? To... Uh, an hour is the best. Um, you can take it off after 30 minutes. It might be just a little grabby, um, but an hour is kind of where you want it to be at. You can leave it on for days on end. Um, in theory, you could leave, you know just let the customer drive off on it. They're going to have you know uh, wipe lines all over it, but you know it can just come off uh, naturally as well. But like I said, an hour is a minimum. Um, I'll let it sit overnight and then take it off. Uh, the longer you let it sit on there, it's going to dry completely and be just easier to take off the longer it sits. So when you leave it on overnight, is it just a wipe off with a with a yeah, towel? just a quick wipe off with a microfiber? You can do the entire car with one oh. one side of it. Um, it's just kind of polishing and it'd be like I said a very very small um, kind of like a talc dust if you will but you're barely going to see it at all um, but it's, it kind of looks like you're wiping dust off the off the glass. That's awesome and did you have any other questions Brent? No thank you this is awesome I, I might come back to some but that, okay. that was awesome. thank you. All right the next one down is Rick Walling do you have any questions, Rick? No. All right. We have silence, Mr. Rick. There. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll just keep going now. Adam Garvin, do you have any questions? Yeah. A customer checkout time here on the west coast so rick might be checking somebody out okay um my question uh brent actually asked i i was just got pulled away to check out a client but i heard him asking it right before i pulled away was uh how long before that windshield coating can touch water or water touch it um 24 hours is is best um you can do it after 12 
Um, but 24 hours is kind of the, the anything after that is is going to be golden. So let it sit on there for an hour or up to overnight, and then after you buff it off, it needs to be dry for a minimum of 12 hours. Um, no. So the the 12 hours is from initial coating. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Awesome. So 20, 24 hours is best to, to do that to make sure that you know you you the very bottom layer this you know the inside the glass has time to cure um, because if you were to get it wet and say it's still you know six hours in and you start putting abrasion on there it can grab and basically because it's not fully cured and adhered you know to the the bottom surface um, it can remove some of it so um, after 24 hours it's guaranteed to, you know to be done um, if you down in Georgia where it's you know um, 96 degrees and 85 percent you know humidity and you sit it outside for the day you're gonna be fine uh it'll be definitely be dry by that time but um you know if it's sitting inside an air conditioner shop then i would give it no less than 12 hours but 24 hours is uh is preferable okay and then same thing with the paint coating too right uh yeah after uh 12 hours it's fine to to, to see water uh once again 24 hours is preferable and then you'll go uh, 10 to 14 days without getting any type of uh, hand washing or any type of soaps or any type of stuff like that. Uh, you can put like a spray detailer in case you, um, you know, have bird droppings or bugs or things like that to get those off. Uh, but, you know, the less touching or chemical application to the surface, uh, the better. And that, that, that goes across the board for any ceramic out there that, that I know of. Um, even using heat lamps and things like that, that will help. Uh, but a lot of that has to cure out naturally uh, from the adhesive surface, which is the one closest to the paint. And that stuff, like I said, takes a little bit to dry and, and, and work its way, like I said, up to the top. Okay. Sounds great. Uh, and you mentioned spray detailer. Is there any topper that you recommend since you guys don't have one out personally yet? Like, there you, does it play oh, well with Defender or do you want to see Defender more is, like? is fantastic. Um, the advanced coating from CCI doesn't need a topper due to um, the chemicals inside of it. You're not going to get any um, adhesion out of it. Uh, but for stuff like the mobile and stuff like that, Defender is is excellent on there. And I, I recommend, you know, I highly recommend that. Oh, awesome. Well, I look forward to trying it out. And thanks for uh, doing the webinar today. Absolutely. All right. Next one down that I see is Anthony. Do you have any questions, Anthony? No. All right. Chris Tavieros, do you have any questions? No, but just wanted to say hi to the both or everyone. How's everyone doing? Great, man. Good. Right on. I'm just finishing off the rest of my pearl ceramic coating so then I can order a bunch more a uh, bunch of the new ones. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Perfect. And yeah, then, just replied in the chat that uh, yeah, he's in baseball, baseball practice. So. <laughs> All right. And then we haven't heard from Rick. Travis, do you have any questions? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, I'm here. All right. Um, just want to say thank you for both of you guys for putting this on. 
And um, I have been working with uh, the advanced coating and the glass coating this last couple of weeks, and they're both super easy to work with and are holding up really well. Um, my biggest question is what makes the mobile version um, different, uh, I guess, chemically or however you want to put it, than some of the other coatings that aren't necessarily mobile friendly? Um, so one of the biggest ones is, is your solid content and the way it adheres. Um, so the advanced coating has a lot more tighter solids. The mobile is, um, there's a lot of different things, in it, but uh, the way the solid content adheres is much different. Um, it is a little bit of a porous coating. Um, so that one I would highly recommend, you know, like topping with Defender or something like that there. But just a lot of the um, carriers in that allow that uh, a lot more time to set up versus, you know, like I said, the advanced. Um, and when you add some of the behavior solids and a couple of different uh, bonders with those, um, then that's what kind of makes that to where it's not uh, a mobile friendly type of coating. Um, there's, uh, you know, as, as far as the coating itself, advanced is, uh, has a much more different uh, solid content in it and different bonders in there that will only work, you know, like I said, in more of a, a shop setting. And we took a lot of the things out that make it difficult to work with in the field um, and still kept it to be, um, you know, the scratch resistance and pH resistance as high as we could um, with the ability to be used in heat. Um, but you do give up some of the um, the higher end type of stuff that you have in advanced or some of your higher end coatings with the ability to do it mobily. Travis, by the way, I muted you because you had some feedback. So if you want to ask another question, just unmute yourself again. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that uh, that answered my question, Michael. Thank you. Okay, absolutely. You know, any kind of coating, if you get, uh, you know, one particular, uh, if you buy a coating that's uh, extremely good at, at this particular area, um, you, you're going to give up something somewhere. Um, for, like I said, the ability to do it in direct sunlight in all those panels, we had to take out some of the, uh, the solids and different bonders we use from our advanced, but that still gives you ability to have a, a very good coating uh, that you can use in the heat. Um, like I said, you give up a little bit, but uh, we definitely feel that the mobile coating is the best that we can make it and still be as friendly uh, to do that in, you know, any type of environment. What, what do you think the, uh, I'm not sure how you rate your hardness levels, but did you want to chat about that with the mobile versus, is that something people can maybe understand? Yeah, the, the, the mobile coating is, is for the hardness rating is going to be, um, you're still going to be probably around an eight or nine H. Um, most of your your hardness scale is a, a theoretical equation based off of um, if you had a thick enough surface for you to actually do a, uh, a Mohs hardness or a pencil test hardness, then that's what it should come up with. So um, once you get into the the eight and nine H you're getting in, you know, uh, to some very, very hard material. So if you, a, a diamond is 10 H, 
Um, so if you can say that your coding uh, has across the spectrum board where I can test in you know, multiple different locations, um, the hardness of our diamond, that's going to be one of those things that's going to be uh, a very hard to prove. And I would not put that on you know, anything. The hardness rating is, is there, in my opinion, for the, uh, the feel-good factor on it of, hey, it's as hard as a diamond. Um, but in actuality, I mean, that, that isn't a bare minimum on, on all your coatings. Like I said, you can say that, you know, I can say, hey, if you test the exact correct piece of this particular coating, then we're going to be at a 10 or 11H or something like that there, but you're not going to have the consistency across the coating to, to be at that. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a mathematical equation by what the solids are in the particular uh, It's like per square inch, basically, if you're to take a look at it that way, like how much hardness, but it also would have to equate to how the ability of the detailer putting it on the vehicle in a consistent manner, correct? I mean, it's that, it's um, like I said, your crystalline structure of how it lays down, of how exactly, you know, woven everything is together. I mean, there's... Uh, the, the amount of variables that would be in that testing or that equation is is massive. Um, but I mean, you're still at the end of the day, say if if we've got the, the hardness of tungsten steel on your surface, but it's a micron and a half thick, that, that's what you kind of got to take into consideration. You know, it's uh, if you've got a piece of cellophane, but it's as hard as, you know, a diamond, but it's still that small, it still can't take you. I mean, I can't go take, there's, there's not a coating out there I can take a ball peen hammer with and hit your surface. You know, that wouldn't hurt a diamond, but um, huh. it's, it's, it's gonna injure stuff just because how thin it is. Um, so, you know, coating companies use that a lot of saying, hey, it's 10H. Uh, there's one out there that's claiming, I think 12 or 13H right now. I, I don't know what they're comparing that to. Um, as far as you know, a natural material, but uh, you know, unobtainium or something from the, the Marvel universe. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. I mean, yeah, you can say, hey, if if our if our coating structure was uh, at X thickness, this is the hardness of it. Um, but like I said, you're still working with a micron. A lot of coatings are not even a micron thick, so it doesn't matter the hardness on there as much as as you like to think it does. And then what's your yeah. thickness of your coating? Um, so the theory of that and, uh, and taking that, if, if it were thick enough to measure, I mean, you'd be probably like said a, a 9H or something. No, like the microns, how thick is the micron? So like if you were to take a meter and measure it and measure how much, how many microns are you getting out of? So uh, our adhesion thickness on our advanced coating is about 1.1 to 1.2. Uh, the global average for everything on there um, is usually 0.8 to 0.9. Um, so as far as adhesion thickness, it is pretty thick. Perfect. And uh, you're welcome. Chris, Chris just left. He has to go. Um, thank you. Is there anybody else come up? Brent, you come up with any other questions? I have one more, Sam. Okay, go ahead, Travis. Um, so a lot of 
current um, ceramic coating companies have substrate specific coatings. So glass, paint, wheels, um, you know, trim, that sort of thing. Um, besides paint and glass, which you talked about today, is there really a reason to use, um, for example, like a trim coating other than it might have, you know, a tint to it to make the trim darker? Is it, is it really necessary for a, a separate coating for that type of thing? Um, so a lot of companies will look into, um, for example, um, a particular company I'm, I'm thinking about has uh, coating for every piece of your vehicle. Um, and what they'll do is they'll greatly increase the solid content and hardness uh, to put on wheels to help it with abrasion and also maximize the heat resistance that it'll have, but they will sacrifice a lot of other things that would matter on your paint. Um, and then when they do trim, they're going to try to get some type of saturation or adhesion to plastic. Uh, so they're changing their chemical makeups to go on different things to base it off of what they think the important uh, factors are for those. Um, I don't know if you guys use advanced on any type of plastics or anything like that, um, but you will see a massive amount of hydration going back into plastics um, and it will actually soak into plastics to get it basically the same um, hydrophobic and everything like that that the paint has, but it, it can give that to plastics. Um, so next time you guys get a chance of having some really dull plastics or anything like that, use advanced on there and you're going to see a huge difference on it. Uh, we've been testing on putting on, you know, like two-year-old, three-year-old wraps, um, and it'll put color back into them. And like, it's basically rehydrating because it sinks down into them. Um, and it does that on plastics and things as well. Um, I, I think that coating companies should be getting to a point now um, because the technology is there, is to offer one coating where you can do multiple things. Um, you know, there are companies out there, their mindset is we've got 12 products for, for one thing. Um, I think we should be able to get away from that now. Um, you know, just like I said, our advanced coating, you can put on trims, plastics, wheels, calipers, everything out there, and it will give you um, top tier performance. Yeah, just to go off what, what you said about hydrating the trim there, I, I noticed that while putting advance on my, my dad's truck um, because we got just a little bit of push onto the plastic around the backside of his mirrors. Right. And with, with some of the other paint coatings I work with, if you get a little bit of push on there, you wipe it off right away, it, you can't tell that there was anything on there. Yeah. But I, I sort of noticed that it, if you got some on there, you kind of just went ahead and had to coat everything else. Yeah, I mean, I just I slathered on the whole thing. And, gotcha. um, you know, we've got a bunch of Jeeps and uh, we've we scoured the uh, our town trying to find a Chevy Avalanche you know, that has uh, half the truck is plastic, just so we could do that on them. Like, hey, we're going to wash your truck for free and clean it up, and we're going to try to rehydrate all this plastics. And um, we're having amazing success with that due to the way that uh, our, our coating bonds. Um, it'll, you know, like I said, it'll hydrate plastics, wraps, things like that. Um, another thing that our coating will do if you've got a PPF front end of a vehicle, 
um, and the rest of the, the car, you can usually see a, you know, a difference in clarity and things like that um, from the wrapped edge to you know, the coated line. And we basically will coat you know, the PPF as well as the car and it blends those very well. Um, also, if you do have wraps or something that have edges on them and you coat them, it'll seal all those edges around there to keep you know, stuff from impacting up under them. Um, it'll make it much harder like for something to hit the edge and peel up or things like that. So it'll seal that off as well. Uh, we're uh, we're definitely a GM town here. So if you ever want us to test it on an avalanche, I got plenty for you. Nice. Yeah, but like I said, when, when you get those in that have, you know, really dry plastics on them, um, you know, clean them with panel prep really well and apply that to them. I think you'll definitely like the outcome of that. We've been uh, doing that, you know, a substantial amount and comparing it to um, a lot of the trim um, restores and things like that are there and we're getting much better performance out of it. And, if, you know, as well as they're going to last much, much longer than a die or, or things like that you put back in there, they're going to come out, in, you know, three to five months. When you're talking about PPF, let's talk about like matte PPF. So you have like, I, I've got a Stramakota Lamborghini Urus, which is a SUV Lamborghini. Right. And it's completely matte and the, the matte was a little messed up. And so I went over there and already did the, my hydration game that I'll do with um, a polish and just kind of a couple weeks before it just sits in a garage anyway. So when I'm, when I do this Lamborghini Euros, I could probably take your ceramic and it'll rehydrate that PPF to make it a little bit nicer of a, because I've used some other ceramics and they're not as hydrating for a matte PPF. Right. Oh uh, yeah. So I mean, you, the only thing you want to do if, if, if you're seeing like when you put on um, you know, even some of the matte vehicles out there, um, some of the Mercedes we do, if it does have that and you see it sucking, you know, basically taking the product and pulling it right in immediately, uh, what you want to do is just take that off rather quickly. Because uh, if not, you'll, you'll get wet lines in the, the mat and things like that. And that's going to be that way with any type of uh, restore on there. Uh, because if you let it dry, then it's getting, no matter how evenly you apply it, um, that 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 substrate is going to be pulling in moisture at different variations. So when you do that, just kind of you know wet line you know half of the hood and immediately take it off. Uh, that way you won't leave any streaking on there. And, and so with your coating now with your coating, are you able to on a matte uh, PPF? Are you able to or a matte vinyl? Are you able to do small areas at a time and not do the whole panel and not have any issues of seeing the line delineation. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, you can do that. Um, like I said, you just can't leave it on for, you know, an extended amount of time. So if I were to do the uh, a wrap or something like that, I wouldn't leave, you know, multiple panels um, at one time to do those. Um, you'll, like I said, do, do one panel at a time and take it off. Um, and then, you know, a lot of that time, we don't recommend doing a second coating, but if you're doing it on something that's basically just, you know, sucking in the coating and rehydrating, then you may have to do that, you know, that second coating to get the top layer to sit. Oh. Versus everything just kind of getting pulled in. Okay. We did a, uh, last week we did a, a Honda Talon side-by-side, -side, which is completely, uh, you know, plastic, and it's uh, not much bigger than my smart car, but 
we use 75 mils of product um, on that talon just because that plastic was, you know, immediately sucking it in. So you probably need in your mill bottles are 50, correct? Right. right. You'd probably, you may need for like an SUV with a mat seconded more like a, a bottle probably, and a half. Um, or bottle. 50 mils of our product, if you use like a coating saver pad or something like that, we usually get two, three series and, you know, smaller out of that okay. pretty easily. Um, you know, when we do like uh, Yukons or something like that, we usually use 30 to 35 mils, um, you know, for something that size. Um, basically, those bottles are meant to do if you've got a Suburban um, that comes in, they're meant to that 50 mil bottle can do everything on the outside of it, your wheels, all your trim, uh, plastics, headlights, taillights, and everything on that vehicle. Oh. That's what the 50 mil bottles are for, is to do that's, everything that's on, on something good that's good information to know. Oh, perfect. All right. Does anybody else have any other questions? I don't know if uh, see Tucker's on. I think that was the last person and Rick. Uh, yeah, Rick, uh, do you have any questions? questions? Yeah, he said he didn't have any questions. I don't know if, if uh, Tucker had anything. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah. Awesome. Couldn't figure out how to unmute myself. Uh, just like Brent, I, Apple doesn't fall for, from the tree. Uh, every time I listen to you, I got more and more questions. So I appreciate you doing these. Oh, um, mine's kind of a two-part. And up in New England here, we get a lot of contamination over the winter. It's what's a good way to strip that contamination off come springtime when the coating gets kind of clogged up and stops working? And do you do a lot of work with most major manufacturers that they should know what their coating is capable of handling during that kind of stripping process to uh, bring life back? Correct. So um, most of your contaminations or anything out in the world that adhere to surfaces uh, adhere by an acid. Um, they'll etch in with an acid type of, uh, that, that's how they basically connect with it. Um, I recommend using a very high alkaline um, strip soap uh, because it basically neutralizes whatever the contaminants are holding onto the vehicle with. Um, but definitely check with your manufacturer to see what they can handle. Um, the, the soap that we use is a, is a pH of 12. Um, and probably 90% of the coatings out there, if we put that on there, the coatings coming off with the contaminants. Um, so definitely, like I said, just kind of check to see where they're at on that um, and what they recommend doing on that. Um, most of the companies hopefully have done their due diligence and test everything out to see, you know, how to fix certain problems with them, uh, what you can put on them, and what their resistances are. Awesome. I really appreciate that. I know. Uh... My car is going to need it after winter, and I don't want to ruin what I have on my car. <laughs> but if I do, I guess we got a new coating to, to try. Yeah, there you out. go. You guys definitely got to try it out. Like I said, I think I think you guys will enjoy it. And uh, we've tested it heavily. We got uh, one of the guys who tests for us is up north, and um, we threw all the mag chloride that we could get here in Georgia at it. And um, well, you know, we don't use that stuff here, but um, we just stay at home and call a national emergency if it snows half an inch here. So. Um, but you know, mag chloride, you know, up north is 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 huge and um, causes a lot of issues with the coatings clogging and things like that. Like I said, so we we substantially tested with that and different uh, you know things that that cars will see um, in different locations. Um, and like I said, we tried to real world test a lot of stuff as best as we could 
and then you know simulate different uh, materials that the coating might come in contact with. Um, and like I said, an alkaline wash will strip all that uh, directly out of our coating, uh, no issues at all. Um, and it holds up very well to any type of salt, brine, mag chloride, or any of that type of stuff. Awesome. Well, I look forward to trying it. Brent and I have been texting behind the scenes, and I think we're putting an order together tomorrow. So uh, looking nice. forward to it. Good deal. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. I think that uh, got everybody. I appreciate you guys uh, coming on here and uh, for the questions and everything. And uh, if you guys have any questions at all, um, you, most of you guys have my contact information. Just please reach out to me and I'll help out in any way I can. Um, you know, this is kind of my kind of my jam here. I got into the science of doing this type of stuff by, you know, reading uh, claims on bottles when I got started in detailing. I was like, there's no way that what they've got in this bottle is going to do that. Um, so, you know, that's what kind of got my, my mind of going, well, let's, let's see what this stuff will actually do and, and things like that. And I still think that, you know, as for detailers right now, a lot of stuff is still become the Wild West and, a, you know, the random guy showing up to town with his, you know, medicine wagon going, hey, this cures everything and this does all the things. And when, you know, you actually find out that they don't and the, the wagon's gone from the town and new guy shows up. And, um, you know, I put a lot into, you know, designing our coatings to be, hey, this is something that uh, I can scientifically prove does X, Y, and Z. Um, and, you know, when people use it, they're like, hey, this does what it says it's going to do. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't smell like uh, apple cinnamon November evening or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, it, it does what it's supposed to coming out and we'll give you, you know, data to back it up. Um, you know, my big saying in, in life is in God we trust, all owners must provide data. Um, so I, I live by that and kind of, you know, design all of our products based on that. So um, you just kind of no nonsense, you know, straight to the point type stuff. And I hope as an industry, we can grow to, to, to get to that, to where there's no snake oil, there's no, um, just reading the back of the bottle for, you know, claims and catching cars on fire and, you know, doing the things that, you know, we have to, as detailers, you know, when clients go out and see, hey, this guy on this commercial is using product, you know, product A that and they're catching it on fire and, you know, scratching with the back of a, a, a lighter and doing all this type of stuff and everything is fine. Do you have that product? So now I've got to explain to them, that, you know, that's, that's not a real thing. And then, uh, you know, then you throw the price at them and like, oh man, that's that's really high. I can't, you know, take a missile to the side of the car, you know, random whatever they're, they're, they're throwing out there to that. Um, so I think that I'm hoping as an industry we grow and get to the point to where we're being realistic with, with advertising and realistic with expectations that we can put onto our customers. And we have a great understanding of, you know, actually what our products do and what they can offer. Um, and I think that, you know, we'll grow a lot in doing that stuff and being real with, uh, with claims and expectations. That's awesome. That'd be great. Um, just so you guys know, this podcast will go out to the IDA as well. We're going to put this out um, every month when uh, Michael and I do this. Our goal is to also educate um, other people and hopefully spread education is a more serious thing. And hopefully um, it'll start reaching ears and and i know that he's part of another group so 
we'll probably get him that link so he can add attach it to his other group that he's part of. Um, but be back next month and Michael will be back and we'll talk about some other uh, science of detailing. And if you guys have any um, certain questions you guys would really like um, answer, just shoot me an email, shoot me a text. I've already got some uh, line of questioning um, sort of lined up for him, but we're happy to add anything that you guys have questions about. I do. I appreciate everybody uh, showing up for the questions, you guys, and I hope you guys have a great evening. Yeah, have a great night. Hey, guys.